to the Creative Process Podcast, a discussion with artists about what goes on behind the scenes when they're creating their work. I'm your host, Dave Hopper. On this episode, I speak with printmaker Brianne Trammell. Brianne is a multidisciplinary artist with a background in printmaking. Her work explores objects and icons from popular culture, the confluence of highbrow and lowbrow, and minds from her personal history. It presents common experiences and awkward memories that we come to terms with and commemorates these experiences through humor and playful formalism, like a giant paper mache paperclip or letterpress printed Twitter posts. Objects, observations, and inescapable memories that may seem unimportant but are significant and make us who we are. Brianne Trammell, thank you for joining me on the Creative Process Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, now, our last guest, Zora Murph, is the one who told me I should speak to you. And do you want to tell us the connection between you and him? Well, I met Zora when I was a visiting artist, um, a visiting professor at the University of Iowa, um, in Iowa City, Iowa, where he was a graduate student in photography. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would see his work in the studio, and I always was just, I loved seeing his work um, hanging up in the hallway, and I never really had a whole lot of interaction with him as a student. Mm -hmm. Um, But towards the end of his final year there and my um, one year there, I, I asked him if he wanted to do a trade. Um, so that's kind of how I met him. And um, so now I have one of his prints, which is really beautiful. And it's, it's on his website under the, the collaborative projects. It's the, the image of the, the car and the snow. Nice. Yeah. So what did you give him? Um, I gave him a letterpress print. And it says um, the things we think and do not say, which is um, text from the cover of the the manifesto mm-hmm. that Jerry Maguire publishes <laughs> in the movie Jerry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have not seen that movie. Um, it's it's pretty good. I try to watch it at least once a year. Well, I'll um, have to get on that. Yeah, I really like Cameron Crowe movies, so um, I think. Yeah, it's definitely one that I return to every once in a while. So that will go into my first question is, <laughs> where does your creative process start and what, what influences you? Oh my gosh, that's such a big question. <laughs> um, well, I think it, it really can start anywhere for me. Um, I can be in the car or walking my dog or like reading a book or like watching a movie or watching TV. Um, and that's kind of where my ideas stem from um, just sort of absorbing different things in the world and different um, parts of pop culture. Um, And I'll say that like my work is all project based. So it's never one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never really have like a huge umbrella project with a couple of exceptions, but so things are just kind of um, the way that I make things and the way that I use materials is just based on, whatever the idea is and what I think would work best. Um, Are you saving ideas for later if you can't work on them now? Yes. I have like lists and lists of (laughs) of ideas and I've actually started organizing them into um, a sort of bingo chart format. (laughs) So I've started making these to-do lists that are bingo charts um, and they're, they're large like sort of poster size that I hang in my studio and it's kind of a way for me to have a to-do list that's not doesn't have a hierarchy, um, and it makes me feel a lot better <laughs> to look at like a grid of things to do rather than a top-down list 
Um, and I can like also make it a game and cross out um, the boxes when I finish something. And um, so I have, that's kind of how I keep track of things. So have you besides. gotten a bingo yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, no, and I'm actually going for four corners. That's like my oh, goal. Right. <laughs> and the way that I like write in all of my the items to do, it's it becomes even more challenging because the things in the four corners are usually the projects that are going to take me the longest. So it's a little motivation. Not really setting though. myself. Yeah, I should I should be better about setting myself up for success in that way. But <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, lots of lists. Um, analog and then on my computer as well that sounds like almost a piece of work in itself (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah the way that we archive ideas and um it's kind of funny to like think about the projects I've abandoned and like that I I think about that as like its own project like things that I've started and haven't finished or things that are like dream projects that I know I will you know that I hope to get to, but I don't know if I will. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, that's, I've actually been uh, planning to print bingo cards and <laughs> like large poster bingo cards and, and give them to friends and give them to students. And yeah. So I think that's an awesome Sorry, that idea. Was kind of a, yeah, it was kind of a rambling answer. <laughs> no, that's great. We enjoy those. <laughs> I was from looking at your work. It does seem like you get ideas from all over the place. Mm-hmm. That you're influenced by everything. Where a lot of people have certain parameters that they stick to. Like I'm influenced by this type of art or this type of look. But you seem to take stuff from all over the place. Has that always been the case? Yeah, I when I first was introduced to art, I was in high school and um, I was on the newspaper staff and was really interested in graphic design and publication design and photography. Um, And I was the editor of the paper my senior year Mm -hmm. of high school, but I was more interested in designing the paper and like developing images in the darkroom. And I also had friends that uh, sort of were editing the arts and entertainment section. So I was learning about like Andy Warhol and other pop artists from them. And around that time, I saw my first museum show, and this is in Fort Worth, Texas, um, and it was Wayne Tebow's retrospective. And um, so it was all images of, like, the food he was painting, but then also the landscapes from San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm actually from California originally, from the Bay Area. So that was my first introduction to visual art and culture um so publication graphic design and then fine art painting so I think from there I just kind of was always looking for for new things to be inspired by not really having like one specific thing that I was always looking to um and I just I don't know I think it just it makes it more interesting when you can pull from many different sources even you know outside of art I think is really important too um uh sorry this is also like sort of rambling (laughs) oh it's great um has anyone tried to sort of pigeonhole you down a little bit because I know a lot of artists like they try to find their niche niche whatever you say that word (laughs) mm because like this is what I need to do to sell something so is it tough to almost be out there doing a lot of different things all the time for me it's not I don't 
I don't see it as a challenge, but I'm also not really concerned with selling my work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really the end goal for me. I think I just, uh, I just want to make as much as I can and share it. Um, and I like giving my work away. I know that's probably not what I should be doing, but I, I love making zines. Um, I love making prints. I love giving them away to students and friends. Um, trading I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Um, we kind of talked about that earlier with Zora. Um, so I'd much rather trade or barter for work, um, than sell it. And I mean, I think that I've never really considered myself like a commercial artist or maybe, maybe I'm just selling myself short, um, in terms of like commercial viability. But I think, you know, sometimes that could be, that could inhibit, someone from wanting to show my work like over time. Like I don't have a, I don't have gallery representation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And, and we're kind of speaking off the cuff about all of this with you right now, but um, I think I like to do a lot of different things because I don't want to be pigeonholed. And I think, you know, it's important to kind of find the right outlets for that type of work. And I think self-publishing is, kind of the way to do that, especially right now. There are so many people who are self-publishing, um, who are like curating publications with other people, and um, there's just this other like sort of exchange economy that's happening in, in the art world, um, at least what I see in what's happening in, in sort of my, my circles of friends and, mm-hmm. and artists that I know. So you say you don't have gallery representation, but you do show your work a fair bit, right? Yes. So what is the difference? Is it like just you can show anywhere or is with representation, do you have to stick with one gallery? Not necessarily. Okay. If I was represented by a gallery, like I would probably be on some kind of schedule where I would have a solo show once a year or once every two years. And then in between there, would show in other venues. Mm -hmm. But I just, I don't have that sort of consistency in my art making, but I do show in... I don't know. My goal is to show in 10 to 12 shows per year. And then like if I could have like one or two solo shows a year, that's, I think that's a pretty good goal to have. Are you contacting people when you're done and have something to show or are people asking you what you're working on? Um, I submit work to some juried exhibitions. Um, if it's a gallery that I really like or if there's a curator who's jurying the show who I would like to see my work. And then I also just keep in touch with curators and people connected to galleries where I want to show my work. So I think that's really important just to, if you meet someone, a gallerist or a curator, and you know, you sort of share similar aesthetics or just, I don't know, I think it's important to have a good working relationship with curators and gallerists so if you get along and if they're nice people um and they're kind i mean i think those are all that's the kind of person that i want to work with yeah you feel comfortable with them yeah do you go to the galleries at all when your work is there and see people's reactions and talk to them about it um i mean i go i mean you go to the opening reception or the closing reception and depending on like where the show is and you know if i'm in close proximity Sure. Like, I think that's important to kind of go in and get a sense of how people respond to the work. Um, cause you, you know, you want to be in dialogue with the people who are looking at your work. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be making it in a vacuum. So I think 
it's good to have those conversations. Is that nerve-wracking, though? Sometimes, I guess, because you want the work to be received well. And when people ask questions that you don't necessarily know how to answer, I mean, that's really good, too, because it points you to things that you weren't necessarily thinking about when you were, like, having the initial idea or in the studio, like working it out. So I think having new perspectives and voices is, is really important because you, you just don't want to be making work in that vacuum. And this is something that I tell my students all the time is that, you know, what you intend for the work to be is it could be very different than how people will interpret it. So it's right. really important to think about everything, um, sort of surrounding the work and uh, and get people um, to give you feedback and comment on it. Do you have like a group of artists or friends that you go to for critique? Yes. So a friend of mine, Kyle Pete, he's an artist and he's currently living in Michigan. Um, and we share similar interests in terms of the overlap of art and sports. So he's someone that I really enjoy talking to about work. Um, my friend, Christina Pabis, she's an artist and um, a professor at Oberlin College. She's really awesome to talk to about work. And I live in Ohio as well right now. So thankfully, I get to see her and talk to her quite often. Um, so lately, I've been telling her about everything that I've sort of have in the works in terms of new projects. So she's been the one that I've been talking to the most lately. That's really She's also an art professor. So she's coming from it at that angle too. That first thing you mentioned with the art and sports is interesting because the intersection there is a little different than most because a lot of artists hate sports and a lot of sports people aren't really art fans. So those of us that are (laughs) sort of meet in the middle, it's really interesting to try to find other people that are in that same spot. Yeah, I feel like it's this kind of underground club in a way, because you're right. Like, I feel in some points of my life, I felt that I can't really acknowledge that I do like sports because (laughs) I am an artist. Yeah, exactly. It's not allowed. But I think that's really silly. And when I actually met Kyle Peets, I was able to talk about why I liked sports and um, which sports I enjoyed. And I, I feel like just sort of meeting him, um, it gave me permission to acknowledge sports just in my past and mm-hmm. the way that I participated in them. But also it gave me permission to make work about it. And I'm really grateful for that because it really kind of opened up this other like way of making work for me and Um, which was really, it was just so fun and new and challenging. But I was going to say another friend of mine in New York, um, his name is Paul John, and he has um, a publishing imprint called Endless Editions. Mm -hmm. And under that publishing umbrella, he makes a zine called Sports, which is it's um, without the O, so it's S-P-R-T-S, mm-hmm. sports. And it's all about like that confluence of art and sports culture. Um, so at the same time of like meeting Kyle and sort of beginning this new line of inquiry, like I also started working with Paul and um, I was able to guest edit uh, one of the sports 
zines, which was really fun. Um, so I was able to like invite artists that I really admired um, mm-hmm. to contribute material and and art to this publication. That's great. I'll have to check that out. I'm definitely looking for something around that topic. Yeah, and he's in New York City, so not too um, far away. Yeah. So this brings me to the um, Dennis Rodman piece that you made. I thought that was fascinating because okay. I read his book when I was a kid, and he's he's an interesting fellow, we'll say. But he's always mm-hmm. fascinating. So I just wanted to ask you where that project started. You read Bad As I Want to Be? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to read that, but it was really difficult just because of the way the, the text was designed with all of the different typefaces. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's something I never would have noticed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the Dennis Rodman project that started um, back in 2014 when I moved to Iowa, and uh, right after I had moved to start this visiting artist position, um, I was really nervous. I was, you know, starting a new job, new students, new studio, new everything, mm-hmm. and I had just relocated from from New York where I was living, um, and. Uh, when I got into town, I I don't know, I've been trying to think of how this book came to me, but I can't quite remember. But I picked up uh, Phil Jackson's 11 Rings, The mm-hmm. Soul of Success, and just sort of about his coaching career. And you know, he's just like the Zen master of basketball mm-hmm. coaches. And there's just a part of the book where he is describing... Dennis Rodman and the rest of the Chicago Bulls sort of being frustrated with him because of his very like loud personality on and off the court. And there's a piece, there's a sentence that Phil Jackson writes that says, um, I'm going to paraphrase this. Mm-hmm. He says, how could you be upset with someone who has a big yellow happy face dyed into their hair? <laughs> and, like I immediately Googled that. I was like, that sounds amazing. And, you know, I was familiar with Dennis Rodman um, just because I grew up watching the Chicago Bulls, but I was definitely more interested in like Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen. Of course. And so I started researching Dennis Rodman and all of the different hair designs that he was <laughs> dyeing into his hair. And there are a lot. Yeah, quite a bit. So <laughs> the big yellow happy face, that was the first, print that I made of Dennis Rodman and you know after I started working or thinking about like maybe this could be something to work from I picked up his memoir about as I want to be and you know he has a really interesting history and I was also thinking about just the sort of pageantry of sports mm-hmm. and I love everything that kind of goes on on the outside edges, like on the periphery, like the marching band and the flags and um, all of the sort of decorative elements. And I kept coming back to his hair and just thinking about like his sort of the performative aspects of, of him and like on and off the court and how his hair is like a, an expression for him. And in a way it's sort of like part of his uniform or this like costume. So I started making prints about that and it's also just kind of thinking about him as what he calls himself, like the sixth man Um, and him just sort of being this overlooked character or, you know, teammate. And so just thinking about 
that as well and like wanting to honor like his history and like his skill while also like celebrating um just the aesthetics of it as well (laughs) (laughs) what's been the uh reaction to it have people liked it um yeah people have responded really well and i think i sold one of the prints which is like maybe one of the only prints i've ever sold um which is that's kind of an exaggeration i've sold more than that but it was like okay this is real this is legit like someone wants to buy my work and um which feels really good and um yeah the one that i sold was uh, a print of him with the rainbow hair where he had like multiple colors sort of dyed into his hair Um, but they were also, the prints were all made using foil. So, and that was another, like, important piece of this project was, I just don't think that it really could have existed in any other format. And so I moved to Iowa to become the Virginia Myers visiting artist in printmaking. And Virginia mm-hmm. Myers, um, she sort of championed the use of foil stamping in printmaking and visual art. And foil is essentially like the shiny material that you'll see on like toothpaste boxes or when a book cover is embossed with like a shiny, shiny material. Okay. That's foil. So it's a commercial material that she adapted um, and engineered to use in fine art printmaking without the use of commercial equipment. So I was learning her method and, you know, trying to figure out, like, how can I use this material? Um, Like what, you know, it needs to make sense for the project. I don't want to just like do it for the sake of it. it. Yeah. Like it conceptually, there like needs to be, it needs to be linked. So um, it kind of just made sense that I use the Dennis Rodman portraits um, as a platform for that. Just thinking about, you know, it's a bold choice. Well, yeah, like the spectacle of sports and the lights and the costumes and all of that. It it just made sense to to use foil. Well, I'm glad you're making projects that have to do with sports. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm actually editing a zine right now um, called High and Outside, um, which is about the double meaning of um, sports language. Awesome. So I have about 16 people that are contributing um, art and writing, and I'll be putting that together in the next month and publishing that. Great. My next question is, how do you know when a project is finished? Is there a point where, like, you, I have enough prints with this, so I'm done with this, I need to move on, or do some projects still feel open even though they're done? I typically know when a project is done. Um, Just the feeling you have? Yeah, or if it looks finished. I mean, if, like, the composition is right and, like, I don't, yeah. I mean, I kind of, typically I have a clear vision of what I want something to look like. Mm -hmm. And when it gets to that point, then it's done. But I think it's a really good question because I I did this project a few years ago called Nails Across America, and mm-hmm. I basically traveled around the country giving free manicures to people as a way of meeting them and hearing their stories. And I think that project could have 
probably gone on forever. <laughs> um, but I really needed to to just put like a stop. I needed to finish it or like put a period at the end of that sentence because, well, I didn't want to be like, quote, like the nail artist, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think if I would have continued, that would have been a way for me to pigeonhole myself. So I think it is just a feeling like when it's done, it's done. And if something doesn't feel finished, you either keep working at it or you shelve it for later. And I think listening to that, listening to that intuition is really important um, and thinking about, you know, why something doesn't feel finished. You know, maybe it is like formal components or mm. maybe the idea just hasn't been, it just hasn't been explored enough. So, yeah, I think it is like it just kind of depends on on that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go back to the bingo board. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So what are and you if working? If I can cross out the box, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So what are you working on right now, and what will be next for you? Um, so right now I'm editing that sports scene mm -hmm. called High and Outside. Um, I'm working on a new body of prints and drawings for a show that I'm having in June, um, and that'll be at the Box Gallery in Akron, Ohio. Um, that's where I currently live. Mm-hmm. Um, the show will be like a suite of reductive woodcuts and all the images are from photographs that I've taken um, and I've posted to um, either Instagram or Snapchat. So just kind of a, a way to capture these digital images and bring them back into real life. Um, and I'm also working on organizing the sixth annual Sandwich Club Summit, <laughs> um, which is an event that I co-curate with Shannon Finnegan, who's an artist in New York. And the Sandwich Club Summit is um, just a multi-year art project, basically. And um, we curate this one-day event that is about sandwiches. <laughs> and Which is always a good people... thing to talk about. Yes. Um, and it's funny like how working on the Sandwich Club Summit has really opened up this whole other... like line of conversation with people and that are friends but also strangers it's a really good uh, conversation uh icebreaker at a party to talk about sandwiches <laughs> is there eating at um, this too or does that come later yes there's definitely <laughs> eating we usually do a grilled cheese bar so grilled cheese on demand <laughs> and those are made by another artist um, jeff barnett winsby and he's been doing that for the past five years that's a serious job there yes yeah and it's it all happens in this livestock auction ring um at the wasaic project in wasaic new york and so the presenters are like down at the bottom of the ring there's like sort of stadium seating and jeff is down there like right to the side of the presenter like making these grilled cheese sandwiches on a big griddle so like the smell just totally fills the auction ring and we pass the sandwiches up into the seats and yeah it's a really fun event yeah it sounds uh, like something to look forward to every year <laughs> yes and the next one will be september 23rd in wasaic new york very nice yeah all right well brianne trammell thank you so much for being on the podcast oh thank you so much that was printmaker brianne trammell find her at brianne 
Thank you for listening to the Creative Process Podcast. I'm Dave Hopper. This has been a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Theme music is Big Screen by Silent Partner. Next time, we'll speak with fellow Sandwich Club member and artist Shannon Finnegan. Thank you.